0: In the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We are still in Second Samuel chapter 22. We said chapter 22 was a praise at the end of the life of David to God. And we said that this praise, this chapter, is divided into five different sections. From verse two to four is David announcing his love for God and his intention. From verse five to verse seven, it's a summary of what God has done. From verse eight to 31, he's going through some flashbacks of what happened in his life. 32 to 46, he's reporting kind of the conclusion of what God has done. Verse 45 to 50, he makes a vow. He makes a confession. He makes a dedication to God. And verse 51 is praising God. This is basically the breakdown of the structure. We are in verse 36, which is in the part where David the prophet is reporting what God has done in his life. And we said, if you guys remember, we said earlier, the people whom you meet at the end of their life and what they want to talk a lot about, their own accomplishment or what people have not done for them. But some people you meet... And at the end of the life specifically, all what they can talk about is how God got them to that point. How God got them to that point. A lot of times in our life, it's so hard to know God's plan in our life. But at the end of people's life, you can look backwards. And you start getting a better look at what God is doing in our life. Sometimes... It's not easy to see it forward, but it's much easier to see it backwards. So verse 36, David the prophet says, "You have." This, he's reporting what God did with him. He told him, you have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your, your gentleness has made me great. When we look at the word salvation in the scripture, we always have to remember in the scripture, The consequence of sin is always death so when somebody does something wrong there's always a punishment so when David the prophet is saying you have become my salvation is that you allowed me or opened for me a way to be delivered from my sin and in the Old Testament it was simply going and offering some sort of a sacrifice in the New Testament it is a cross so when he's telling him you have given me the shield of your salvation what is the shield of salvation You have shown me believing in you, the path to faith. God gives each person an opportunity to believe and to walk and to practice. And when you walk and practice, you start having a shield that's called the shield of salvation. I know that I am protected from my own weaknesses because of what God has done for me. And in David, David's life, God has done this in so many different ways. He has sent him Samuel the prophet at the beginning of his life. He had, he had some secret experience with God that nobody knew about. He revealed it when he met Saul and told him, I was able to be the lion and the bear. He also had a lot of time where he used to praise God and talk to him one-on-one. And he wrote all these psalms. David committed sins and God would send him a prophet to wake him up. Like Nathan told him, you have sins. When he is running away, God still showed him that he's taking care of him. So God has given David so many opportunities to believe in him. And God does the same thing with us. He gives us a lot of opportunities to believe. Do we take the shield of salvation or not? It's available to everybody. And he says... Your gentleness made me great. Your gentleness made me great. One of the things that makes us bring the best out of what's inside of us is encouragement. A culture of fear can get some tasks accomplished. But a culture of encouragement can get creativity and people to perform at their best. For what David is telling God, he's telling him, your your gentleness has made me great. And because God kept encouraging David, encouraging him, encouraging him, David started to become great. When When a little kid, a child who's like high school or college, goes to fight a giant for the first time in his life and defeat him, That's because God has been encouraging David even before that. He sent him one of the greatest people and anointed him a prophet. In our life, we get a lot of compliments from people. And sometimes people tell us a lot of good things about us. And this could be a sort of one way of God encouraging us. And sometimes we take it and becomes a sort of pride in our life instead of a sort of encouragement in our life. For David the prophet is telling God, your, when, when your, your gentleness made me great. Your encouragement pushed me harder. Imagine, you know, you know, when somebody gives you a compliment, I'll tell you the worst type of compliment. When somebody gives you a compliment and you have done nothing to earn that compliment. And then part of you wants to believe that you deserve that compliment, even though you've done anything, right? But part of you feel like, yeah, I, I should. Yeah, that sounds like reasonable. But in reality, we don't deserve that compliment. The only way we can break that gap is because of the encouragement of God. And that's the way that we should work together. He told him, "You enlarged my path under me; my feet did not slip." When David. Started his relationship with God God started making him grow in what we call spiritual warfare so initially David He fought Goliath And he defeated him God took care of everything All what David had to do is overcome his fear Now he's telling him you have enlarged my path under me my feet did not slip now David the prophet is not dealing anymore with an enemy who is clear and God is fighting him and he only has to pray. He's fighting people from his own church, from his own family who rejected him, who are attacking him. Who could break every source of confidence inside his heart. For David, the prophet said God, you have enlarged my, enlarged my path. What does enlarged my path mean? You have allowed me now to be able to not be in a tight place and I have to run to you, but you have allowed me the experience with my own muscles that you have given me, the muscles you have given me, to face some of those difficult problems. There are some things that are yeah, I'm sorry. I'm taking a long time on this. Sometimes you have to understand. There's a distinction between warfare that comes from outside, that requires a lot of prayer, and requires complete dependence on God, and warfare that comes from inside, that in it our personality develops and our skills develop. For so here, he's telling him. You have enlarged my path. Now the warfare for me, the, the area for me where I can grow and learn is a big one. So my feet does not did not slip. Like I got into a big bigger challenges, but I did not fall. Because you have given me always a way out. You have allowed me always to find a path forward. And in the spiritual life. The one thing that the devil tries to take away from us is hope. You can sin and God will forgive you and come back. Everything you can do, there's always a path forward. The one thing that there's no path forward after is losing hope. That's why he told him, you have made path of hope for me. You have made path of hope for me. And some of the, some of the some, that's why some of the, 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 ch- the church should believe, obviously, excluding mental illness in some situation, that suicide could also be a, a, an unforgivable sin, because there's no hope. You have lost hope in who God is. I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. David the prophet is telling God, because of the warfare that you trained me in, now I'm able to destroy my enemies. For us, and and I think also for David, the enemies were looking at them more as those who were trying to destroy our own Jerusalem, our own relationship with God. You guys know, in the life of His Holiness Pope Krullus, at the beginning of his life, with God, when they bring, for example, somebody who's demon possessed, Pope Carlos would spend hours praying on this person until the demon is out. At the end of his life, Pope Carlos would just encounter the person. just He sees him, and the devil would run away. If I am telling him, you have destroyed my enemies. What does that mean? At the beginning of my spiritual life, I'm still tempted, I'm still struggling, I'm still fighting. As I continue to fight with God, maybe some of the old sins that I had, some of the old difficulties that I had, some of the the problem with me forcing myself to pray longer, forcing myself to spend time with God longer, does not become there as much anymore. It became natural to me. It became natural to me i remember one of the person and this happen happens actually with quite a lot of people where when people are younger sometimes they tend to listen to some sort of crazy music and stuff like that as they get older it becomes extremely uncomfortable for them to hear loud music and crazy music and you see this even sometime unfortunately in wedding receptions where people who are maybe matured a bit they're not really Enjoying that loud and crazy music anymore. That was you find the young ones are just running around. Okay. Why? Because there's, an, there's a victory that happened. And I have destroyed them and wounded them. Wounded them. It's a beautiful way he says. So that they, not, so they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. Wow. What does it mean wounded them? i give you an example. If you look in the New Testament, if you guys remember the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was obsessed with money. His God was money. He betrayed his friends, he betrayed his people, his family, because of money. What happened? When God came, he told our Lord Jesus Christ, I will give half of my money to the poor, and if I have taken any money from somebody unjustly, I'll bring it fourfold he wounded money no longer money will have power over him it's not a just a matter of victory of prayer but it's a matter of victory of action i was telling uh maybe we talked about this before but his holiness pope shenouda some one time he said he says if you for example break your fast on wednesday Continue to fast Wednesday and Thursday. So you wound the sin of laziness or the sin of negligence. He says, "I have wounded them. I have wounded them." And that's important. That uh, it's not a matter of that the that I defeated the sin a couple of times. No, that I have given up the attachment to the sin. I have given up the attachment to the sin. Any leftover attachment for pride or money or jealousy or laziness i have all given it up. And here he says, I have put, they have fallen under my feet. And by the way, you see this imagery in Joshua 10:24. 24. Uh, it says, so it was when they brought out the kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of men of war who went with him, come near, put your feet on their neck or the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. What does it mean putting their feet on their neck? Who give this promise? Our Lord gave this promise to Adam and Eve when they left the paradise. The descendant who comes from Eve will destroy the head of the serpent. So people in the time of David the prophet, David himself was able to enjoy the work of Christ, the work of the cross. Be careful because sin wants you to be a slave. Wants you to be a slave. Some people, when they become so addicted to a certain sin, they're willing to even confess out loud that they worship that sin. They worship this thing that they're falling in love with. And sin wants to put its feet on our necks. And God is saying it's actually quite the opposite. When you wound the sin, you put your feet on it. For you have arm, armed me with the strength, for battle, you have subdued under me those who rose against me. You have armed me with the strength. In battle, you have subdued me under those who rose against me. There's one thing I, I want you guys to keep in mind, and you see this a lot in our spiritual life. We, me and you, we cannot defeat temptation. We cannot defeat it. The only way we can defeat it is when we run to God and He fights for us. For example, he says you have armed me with strength for battle. What does me arm with I give you an imagery. So when somebody's going for battle, what he has to do, he has to put a belt around their waist. You cannot have a, a soldier who's overweight. A soldier who cannot control his stomach and his eating habits, and cannot fast, and cannot follow the spiritual work that God wants them to do. He cannot have a soldier who cannot listen to orders in the army, and the, the commandments that they're receiving. He they cannot have a soldier who does not wake up early and follow the spiritual exercises. He's saying, you have prepared me for battle. God is the one Who put the belt around him He got him ready He put, woke him up to get him ready You have, this is by the way David the prophet is giving report One of the things that you will notice about this report Is David is not really talking about A specific instance He's not saying You prepare me for battle for this war Or that war or this war He's talking about an overall Direction in life Where every morning he wakes up and the devil is trying to fight them and he's getting ready for battle you have also given me the necks of my enemies so that i destroyed those who hated me david won the war but the one who brought the enemy the necks of the enemies to him was god himself was god himself he does not realize how the enemy fall under his feet. What does that mean? In my life, when I am struggling spiritually and, and growing with God, the mystery of growing with God, I don't know how it happens, but it happens. It happens. And one day I wake up and I see myself, wow, this, this is not me 10 years ago. I don't know how the how did I come here but I came here so God is the one who brought the enemy under his feet without him knowing how it happened but he was ready for war he wakes up every morning ready to fight God prepared him to be a soldier but at the end of the day God is the one who defeated the enemies they looked but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Obviously, the, the evil powers, or the people who are attacking the church, when God is on our side, they cannot approach us. They trusted other gods, they went back to their gods to see if the other gods can help them, but did not get any support. When I tell you something small about this this is not about worldly victory this is not about getting promoted at your job this is not about this is about not being defeated in your spiritual life this is about making every day count and building the kingdom of god having and living the purpose that god intended for us That's what it is about. The devil tries every day to make us feel hopeless, defeated. Makes us feel like life is too too difficult to go through. Makes you feel like, what's the point of today? What's the point of this morning? What have I done extra? What's the next thing that's going to come to make me happy? God is saying that they they lost this war. Every day, David grew in his relationship with God, grew in becoming a warrior and a victorious person, defeating the enemies. Then I beat them as fine as dust of the earth. I trod them like a dirt in the streets, and I spread them out. What is he saying here? He says that I am. God allowed me to see the victory of, over my enemies. I have seen it get destroyed under me as dust. What, is, what does that even mean? A lot of times in our life, when we are struggling against a certain attachment or a certain sin, it takes over all over our life and it consumes us. And sometimes it becomes like a sort of slavery, whether a sin of lust or a sin of, of, of greed or a sin of jealousy, whatever it is. But when somebody becomes so detached from it and is able to overcome it, he looks at it and sees it like what? Dust. Nothing. This is what I was attached to. This is what, what, I, what I was obsessed with. It's dust, it's nothing. All vanity, all gone. You have also delivered me from the striving of my people. You have kept me as the head of the nations, a people I have not known shall serve me. David, the prophet, is telling God, It's not only you have given me the arts of victory over the devil, and the art of winning wars, and wounding sin, and becoming a victorious warrior. You have also delivered me from people who did not like me very much. And you have also given me a role in your salvation plan. You have given me a role in your salvation plan. And you have made people who are foreigner to serve me. You have made people who are servants to serve me. Even in the New Testament, we also see Saint Paul talking about people giving him difficult time. In Second Corinthians 7:5, he says, "For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, and inside were fears." See what Saint Paul is saying? Outside were conflicts, and inside were fears. There are issues beyond defeating our temptation and sins now becomes an issue of strife. And dealing, once you start serving the kingdom of heaven, serving God, there's always issues, there's always politics, there's always people fighting, people disagreeing, people, human fallenness comes in place. says, even that you have helped me with. You have helped me to overcome strives. You have also helped me to become part of your salvation plan. He says, I, you have kept me as the head of the nations. By the way, David was not head of the nations. He's just flat out wrong saying that. David was only head of one nation, Israel. But he's speaking with the, with the Spirit on the true king, our Lord Jesus Christ. Speaking with the Spirit for our Lord Jesus Christ. And David did have some foreigners who came and told him, we want to serve you. He says, the foreigners submitted to me as soon as they hear, they obey me. Obviously, this is very unusual because Israel, we said, was a very small nation. I was telling some people uh, uh, yesterday that um, there's like a small YouTube video of abuna Afanus and Babola in the monastery in Egypt, where he, he was known to be a very holy man, and he used to see visions, and he was a, some people would call him a mystic. So they had people, actually, a lot of people would come from all over the world to come to this man and be in his room so they can pray with him in his presence. His room was not the cleanest he was not known for his hygiene every every place in that everything in that place is not really attractive every earthly sense was not really attractive but people came from all over the world just to find a holy man that they could benefit from the foreigners fade away and come frightened from their hideouts. Obviously, in the time of, of, of Israel, in the time of David, and even the time of Solomon later on, we'll see that a lot of foreigners came to a small nation like Israel when they saw David They told him, we want to have peace with you. We want to have peace with, peace with you. And this was an, actually a promise that God gave Moses in Deuteronomy 33, 29. He says, your enemies shall submit to you shall come submissive to you having seen the God of Israel at work they know they have to submit when the world sees God working in his people and his people are who they need to be people come submitting to God and they come closer to God and the people of God become become Light to the world. From verse 47 to 50, David is making a vow. And it's very important when we are walking with God that sometimes I'm clear on what I want to offer to God or who God is to me. Because that will at least give me a sense of how much I am willing to sacrifice and how much I have seen what God has done in my life. You see people, for example, I had a couple whom, for their wedding, for example, they said, we want to take the money that we would spend on the centerpiece to help parents who wants to adopt children. And they were asking me, where can we find a good organization to donate to? It's a vow to God for the beginning of their life, he says, The Lord lives. The Lord lives. God exists. That's a big, that's in itself, is the cornerstone of everything. Because if I believe God exists, my life is transformed only based on that concept God exists. Blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. We talked a lot about the rock last time, but I want to give you a small glimpse of something else. If you guys remember 1 Samuel chapter 2, we had Hannah, the mother of Samuel. She offered a praise to God. See what she said? I'm going to read it quickly to you. It says, No one is holy like you, the Lord. For there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your youth. Let the Lord for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Why am I telling you this? Because I don't want you when you read the see David vowing and praising God, you might feel, Well, God done so much in his life, he's a king. And that our Lord is coming from his seed. A woman like Hannah the prophetess. All what she had was that she gave a birth to a child like Samuel. And she prayed from her heart. She uttered the same words. She uttered the same words. She said the Lord is my rock. I don't need to be the next King David in a worldly sense. I need to be having and sharing the same spirit that Hannah and David shared. Same victories they have shared. That's what I need. He said, It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. When we say the Lord avenges, it means the Lord loves justice. And every person who tried to fight the people of god god will revenge against them and we see this in the book of revelation it says the the righteous will cry to the lord and tell him until when O lord until when are you going to take the justice for our spirits for our souls but i just want to emphasize this idea in ephesians 6 2 we We as Christians will only have one sort of enemy. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So our only war is with the evil powers. And God will avenge us from the evil power. And by the way, when we say God avenges us, it does not only mean the second coming. It means today. God can free me today from my sin. God can break the chains and the bonds of the sins I have. As I do need to run to him and to ask him for his help. He delivered me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from violent men. You have delivered me from my enemies you have left me above those who rise against me you have delivered me from violent men we see here as i was telling you in the spiritual life of david david is a bit progressing so initially he was fighting his own fears goliath later on he started to fight to fight different sort of warfare there were strives was issues happening now he's telling him you deliver me from my enemies you, you also lift me up above those who rise against me. Now there's different types of warfare. We as we as people, we face different types of warfare. There's a different type of war, warfare that comes simply from the evil of the world. We see this in 1 John 2.16. It says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of this world. But also now, there's also some... Temptation that comes from within us. So one that comes from the world, that's the first one, Goliath. He had to come over The second one comes from within. You see it in James 1, 14, 16 it says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desires has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it's fully grown, brings forth death. So the second sort of warfare that I have to fight is my own self, my own desires, my own temptation. The third type, which is what David is talking about here, is when I am victorious in the first and the second, I might end up having to face the devil face to face. And you see this in the book of Acts 19:15, when the children of a Jewish high priest, they tried to cast out demons in the name of Christ. And what did the evil spirit? The evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. But who are you? Some people, from how sinful their life is, the devil doesn't even know them. They don't even come to his radar. Because the temptation in the world, and the temptation in the self, has overcome and them so much, that, they really have no, um, the, the devil doesn't need to tempt them personally. We have seen this with the life of Saint Anthony where the devil appeared to him and he actually physically tried to beat him. We've seen this in the life of Tamav Irini when the devil would appear to her as an actual snake son, a scorpion, and scorpion and she would have to fight him. This is he delivered me from my enemies, a spiritual warfare requires a lot of victories requires victories over the world over myself and over the enemy face to face therefore this is the vow that david is prophet david is making i will give thanks to you o lord among the gentiles and sing praises to your name look at this verse this is so beautiful It says, therefore, this is David vowing, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. David told God, God, look, I want to make a promise that all what I want to do all my life is to thank you and to praise you. Where do you want to praise him? Among the Gentiles, which is also very silly because David doesn't really hang out with Gentiles very much. Why don't you say in the temple, look now fast forward, fast forward, 2,000 years later. Well, sorry, 1,000 years later, in the times of Paul. Paul in Romans 15:8 to nine. Listen to this carefully. He says, "Now I say that Jesus Christ has come a servant to circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers. Listen, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy as it's written." This is Paul referring. For this reason, I will confess to you among the Gentiles and I'll sing your names. Can you imagine? The vow that David made continued on until Paul came and said, now today, we will praise God among the Gentiles. Dream big, because our dreams for the kingdom if it doesn't happen in our life, it will continue to happen for the generations to come. For the generations to come. David the prophet, when he said this, he was at the end of his life. He had no way of, of physically predicting that he would talk to the Gentiles or preach among them or praise God among the Gentiles. But God looked at a genuine prayer, a genuine vow. God who is above all time, and he made it fulfilled when Paul went to r- preach to Rome uh, in the Roman Empire, the biggest city of the world, the biggest empire of the world. Now they are praising the Lord, the, the God. People who look at the work of God and their life They were able to offer things. People who look at themselves and their own needs, they will only complain. And that's a good test to see where I'm looking. Am I looking at what God has done in my life or am I looking at myself? And that will tell me whether I am I am offering thanks to God. I'm walking with God, or I'm focusing on myself. Verse 51 is praise. He's praising God. He says, He is a tower of salvation to His king and shows mercy to His anointed, to David and His descendants forevermore. That's why this is part of a prophecy. Because David, the prophet, his kingdom, did not last forevermore. Did not. The kingdom was divided after, after Solomon, and then they were in exiles, and where is David today? The prime minister of Israel. We don't know if he's related to David or not. But look what... That's why it's very important to connect the Old Testament and the New Testament. Look at what it says in Galatians 3.16. Look what it says. It says, Now to Abraham... And his seed were the promises made. And God made a promise to Abraham and his seed. And St. Paul says he does not say, and to the seeds, plural, as, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. So David the prophet, as he was praising God, that praise of God made him, made this environment suitable for the Holy Spirit to make him prophesize about the future of the kingdom of heaven and by the way a lot of times in the book of 1st and 2nd Samuel I notice this is that the prophecy would always happen in an environment of praise if you remember Samuel and the prophets Saul and the prophets David, Saul and the prophets David right now in an environment of praise, the Holy Spirit speaks. And verse 51 is almost a climax that links the life of David to the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Life of David to the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise is essential for the work of the Spirit to grow inside of me. Praise makes our struggle easy and our joy to increase. I was actually reading to a Western saint, and she said something so beautiful. She was very sick, and she had a lot of suffering and pains. So she stood in front of God and told him, God, I offer you my own sickness, so that you may bring those who are far away from you back to you. I offer the sickness, the suffering for every person who is suffering from addiction, for every person who, who is far away from your church. Praise makes me be in the bosom of God. Praise is the environment where the Holy Spirit speaks I don't know I haven't seen it yet where you find somebody complaining and all of a sudden he's prophesying or the Holy Spirit speaking on their behalf this is what the, David the prophet is doing chapter 23 um, we call it David's last words we're not going to go through it today we just want to give you a bit of, um, of a bit of background There is a difference between David talking about the work of God in his life, but then chapter 23 is more like a bit more of a wisdom. He's giving to people coming after him. And then chapter 23, we'll talk a little bit about the soldiers that David kept around him, which is quite, quite beautiful uh, uh, soldiers around him. We'll talk about them in details. And then chapter 24, we'll conclude with an event. And then God willing, we'll conclude second Samuel. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.